All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here. Nice Wednesday morning episode. Tim just hit the record button early. That's why I'm giggling because I was talking to him and he's got stuff to do. So when he wants to record, he presses the button and it's go time. And I have to I have to go because Tim's the boss. Right, Tim? You said, OK, let's go. And then he started talking again. And I was in the process of clicking it. But it's all good. How, good morning, John. How are you? Good morning. Well, I, I'll ask the listeners, maybe someone knows, and I can't find it. The TV deal the NHL signed before this recent ESPN deal, and it was after their last ESPN deal, I could have swore they signed with a company. It was like the Outdoor Living Network. It was some random like outdoorsy network. I could have swore they signed a deal with them where everybody was just scratching their head and you had to Google who this TV company was. And I, I, I just tried to look for it quickly. And as I was looking for it, Tim decided to press record because he's got places to go and things to see. The reason we're talking about this, we'll get to in, in a second. But we want to recap some of the gosh, we, we did a show on Monday. And I said, the Flames are going to come back and win, make the playoffs, and they're going to be exciting. And they're going to surpass all the wild card teams, and they're going to be maybe in the, the first wild card, the second wild card. They're going to jump over Winnipeg and Seattle and get into the playoffs, and everything's going to be right. I'm going to prove everybody wrong because they have a good hockey team. Well, they played, <laughs> they played Monday night, and boy, oh boy, they just laid a complete stinker and immediately after the game, 8-2 to two loss to the LA Kings, I said they're done. The, you can't overcome a loss like that. Even though they're only four points back, even though they both played 71 games, them and the Winnipeg Jets, and the Jets are playing bad hockey too, you can't recover from an 8-2 to two loss when it's the most important game of the season. You're playing a game against a team that's in your conference. You're very familiar with them. And you lay an egg like that. Markstrom played terrible. Even after I said he's been playing good of late, which he has been. Couldn't stop a beach ball. You bring in Darth Vader. He can't make a stop as well. Their defense was uninspiring. They can't score any goals. I think the Kings are up 5-0 at one point. It was just a lackluster game. No pushback. No energy. 
the kings did whatever they wanted, Tim. So can now we definitively say the West is locked up? Or are we going to jump on this crazy, the Nashville Predators, even though they have their, their five points back, they have three games in hand, they can make a run and catch the Winnipeg Jets who are sliding. Because when you look at the Predators' schedule, they do have some important games coming up where they play Seattle twice. You know, they, they play some tough games, but they play the teams that are ahead of them. Or is it is it set? The eight are set in the West, and let's just move on because Nashville has a very, very, very difficult schedule to finish the season. They're playing some high-end teams. I know they're playing teams that they're chasing, but then they play some pretty big dogs in Boston, in Toronto, in Pittsburgh. They're very difficult games. Dallas, Vegas, Carolina. So it's it's a tough road for them. So, Tim, are you ready to stick a fork in this division and say these are the eight teams moving forward? I think I am. Yeah, I think I said that on Monday, too. The, the, the final two teams, the Kraken and Winnipeg, would be the final two teams. And even though Calgary is technically not very far out of it, they're still very much in the race statistically. You, what you saw from them last night is not a team that's got the, the compete level. They don't want it. They're not hungry, John. They're not hungry for a playoff spot, and they're doing everything they can to to not make it, especially when you're playing a team that... I get the Kings are a good team, but you have an opportunity to 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 win a big game against a good team and show them that you're still in the hunt. And not only do you lose, you get blown out. Four nothing after the first. It was six to one at one point, eight to two the final score. This is not a team that's got the level of compete that you would want from them at this point in the season, chasing that last playoff spot. So yeah, I think we're I think we're ready to say stick a fork in them. It's crazy to see the big scores lately. Because you you, you see that earlier in the season when teams are feeling it out, and you know, maybe the defensive structure isn't there. I've been just amazed by the amount of goals being scored in the last month. It it's not surprising nowadays to pull up the box score in the morning if you missed the West Coast game, seven nothing, seven two, five four, five two, five three, seven nothing. Like these are high scores. Is this the NHL that Gary Bettman wants? Is this the one that he has been envisioning where it's just fast pace? Up and down, lots of goals, lots of excitement. Do you think this is a good thing? Because 10 years ago, I I know I'm going back and dating myself, but as the games got more important, it was two to one. It was three to two. It was just overtime game after overtime game. There was three point games all over the place. Is this the new NHL? Because it's very rare where you see a game go to overtime or a shootout. It there's like it's last night. It was eight to two, five to nothing, five to two. There was one overtime game. I don't know. It's just it's just strange to me that there aren't more closely contested games this time of year when it's just so important to get points. The Calgary Flames would have loved to just pick up one point. One point. That's all they like. That would have been fantastic, but they couldn't do it. They get blown out by an LA Kings team that we'll touch on in a second. But Is this the new NHL, Tim, where it's just no matter the situation, no matter the importance of the game, it's still going to be a track meet up and down the ice, seven, nothing, five, four, six, two big goals, lots of goals, lots of action. Well, there's no doubt that this is what Bettman wants, but I think the the bigger question is what we see in the playoffs. Is that the time where they where they buckle down and play their defense more defensive structure and then they're trying they're trying to win one nothing instead of five to four? And the flip side of that too on that note is how much more impressive does it make the seasons of guys like Allmark and Gustafson? I'm looking at the top five and goals against right now. Allmark, Gustafson, Swayman, Samsonov, 
Sorokin, Ottinger, all under two and a half goals a game, all marks under two. That's not easy to do in, in, the, in the, you know, the high scoring NHL that's happening right now. So I think that makes it even more impressive. I think those teams that those goalies play for, the Bruins, the Stars, the Devils, or was it the Islanders? Those will be the teams that we that'll be successful in the playoffs because you always see a difference in playoff hockey. Like you said, things tighten up. Players get a little more nervous. They grip their stick a little bit tightly. Coaches clamp down. They don't play everybody all the minutes that they get in the regular season. And if you're used to playing those low-scoring games, I feel like you'll be more successful. So we'll see. I don't know, but it, it is interesting. Because last year, first round, Edmonton, Calgary, I believe the average goals per game was 10. Like they, <laughs> like, they, yeah. they were scoring so many goals. But we'll see what happens. So if we get to the playoffs and the scores are still high scoring, where the average goals, maybe the average score is like seven and a half, eight goals a game, something like that across the entire league in the first round. Is that a good thing for the league? Is that a good thing for hockey? Is that a good thing for Bettman? Or is that, does that mean that something has fundamentally changed from the last several years? No, I think it's fine. I, 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 you can't like stop talent. I, th- I think this is a direct relation, correlation to just how kids train in the summer. Everybody's better, you know? Yeah. Every Everybody is so gifted offensively, and, it, and it's bound to spill over into a playoffs at some point. And like I touched on on Monday, I think it was Monday or Friday, nobody trains to be defensive defenseman anymore. You know what I mean? Nobody does that. When you're a kid these days, and I see it around the ranks when I go there, you're working on your skills. You're not working on how to play defensive. You're not working on position. You're not working on, you know, what's the right time to attack a player in the corner. When I made the NHL from the Houston Arrows to the Minnesota Wild, every practice I had, we worked in the D zone. It was Mario Tremblay. It was Jacques Lemaire. And we would just sit in the D zone. And Craig Ramsey, who was a a Hall of Fame defenseman, won a gold medal for the U.S. team in 1980, played a long time in the NHL. They would just work on when to attack a forward in the corner, how to do it, how to separate the guy, his hands from the puck, how to do it. And we would just drill it over and over and over again. You you would put a small little forward in the corner, Pierre-Marc Bouchard or Eric Belanger or Antti Miettinen, and they would say, go, go get him, go take the puck from him. And you would have to time it, when to attack, and it, that's all we did. They don't do that anymore. Now they work on, okay, the puck gets dumped in the corner, go and pick it up and wheel and get out of the zone. And that's, those are great things, but it just shows you how the game has changed. It was a hall of fame coach who had all the accolades in the world. And he still wanted to spend time with a six foot seven goof, how to take a guy, separate a guy from the puck, which I was good at. That was my thing. Instead of working on the first pass or, you know, something offensively, that's what he wanted to show me. He's like, this is how you will stay in the NHL because that's how the NHL worked back then. Now I would not a chance, not a chance at all. I would survive. So, yeah, Yeah. scores will be high. Well, the league has changed. Yeah. And I wonder now if if coaches and and, I mean, I could be speaking out of turn, but I wonder if they're if they're looking more at defensive structures, more reactively, meaning like when they have a problem, let's fix it. But in terms of like regular ongoing work and practice, it's about winning. It's about scoring goals. It's about the offense. It's about maybe addressing all zones, but focusing more on the offensive side of the puck. And then when you have an issue, like you're, you're getting scored on and your PK is not working, then you go fix it as opposed to a a proactive solution where you're working on those things just as much as you're working on the offensive side. Yeah. And I think as a coach, a good coach, you play to your strengths. And I don't think there are as many good defensemen in the league as there are good offensive forwards. 
I think the weight in the NHL right now is just really talented forwards, which makes the Calgary situation even more strange. The strength of your team is your defense. Why not lean into it? And you, you're coached by Daryl Sutter, which it, the Flames are just a mystery to me this year. They had everything, everything lined up. You know what I mean? You have Daryl Sutter as your coach. Everybody before the season said they have a fantastic defense. They have eight NHL caliber defensemen that they can roll on and any night. Any one of those guys will be fine. And they're terrible. And I'm not going to throw it all on Markstrom. I know he's bad, but the Flames in itself are just really bad. They're giving up a ton of goals. They're not scoring many goals, which is just not a Daryl Sutter team. When he was winning all those cups with the LA Kings, they were the best defenseman team, the best defensive team in the NHL. You know, Robin Regeer, Scuderi, Drew Doughty. Um, who was that guy in Russia who just kicked his wife in the throat or something? What was his name? Yeah, I know you're talking about. I don't remember. Yeah, that jerk. But they had a good defensive team. Like they were great. So I, I just, I, it's, it's too bad. Calgary's done. Seattle's in. Winnipeg's in. They're backing. They're losing their way into the playoffs. Not, not a great way to go into the playoffs if you're the Winnipeg Jets. But there's still 11 games left. Maybe they can figure it out and have some fun in the playoffs. Well, speaking of the Kings, they're now on a 10-game point streak. They they beat Calgary, obviously, pretty decidedly on Monday. Are you ready to accept them as a legit top threat in the West? I think you have to. And not even the West. I think in the NHL. I think they're a very, very good team. I know they everybody was talking about the Jonathan Quick trade. That's gonna that's gonna cost some, that's gonna really hurt them. Don't look now, but their goaltending situation is pretty good. Phoenix Copley and Corpusala have been playing really, really good. They've been splitting time and they've both been really, really solid. Quentin Byfield has stepped in on the first line with Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. He's playing great, Tim. Last 10 games, he's got nine points. He's keeping up with Kopitar. Kopitar's got 12 in his last 10 games. They're playing really, really good. They have a balanced lineup. Their defense is great. And like I said earlier, the West is wide open. It's anybody's game. I know you still think that it goes through Colorado. I don't really believe that. I don't know why. I really don't. I just don't like how they're playing this year. I I really don't. And They've won six in a row, John. Uh, we we talked about this last episode. It's not great competition who they're beating. You know, you it's, it's a, you like they, they beat Chicago last night. Great. Good for them. But when you look at the Kings lineup, who they have and how they can, you know, roll out their lines, they have a legit shutdown line. They can lock down McKinnon. The guy can get nothing. And Philip Deneau, Trevor Moore, and Victor Ardridson. We saw what Philip Deneau can do to any forward in the NHL. He's done it. He's locked down McDavid. He's locked down Matthews. He's locked down all of these guys. And in turn, he produces on the offensive side. Would you Would you not agree? He's probably the best, if not in the conversation, top defensive forward for how good he is. Yeah, he's top three, top five. He's up there. Yeah, and then you have your first line here with Kopitar, who's just having a resurgent season. He's playing fantastic. You got the goal scorer in Kempe. You got the good energetic third line with Lazadi, Velarde, and Ayafalo. It's just a good line. You have some toughness. They just added McEwen from Philadelphia. I like his addition. Kevin Fiala is coming into the lineup. Matt Roy on defense, a Michigan Tech grad. What's not to like about this team? And the ever-steady Drew Doughty, who's just got something to prove. They traded his buddy away. He's pissed off, and he's going out there. He's playing like he's 25. I like this team. I don't think they'll win the Stanley Cup. I don't think anybody in the West will win the Stanley Cup. I think that's well documented. I don't think they're in the top six teams in the NHL. 
I think all six of those teams dwell in the Eastern Conference, even with the Svechnikov injury. I think if they went west, the Carolina Hurricanes would just be the best team in the West. Hey, but the Kings are maybe maybe right there in the best team in the West, Tim. I don't think a healthy Carolina team's better than the Avalanche, even without Landis Gog, let alone this taking Sveshnikov out of it. But yeah, I do agree. Everybody's entitled to their opinion how bad it is. That's what great <laughs> makes this country great. Oh yeah, the reigning cup champions who have won all these games in a row and it's crazy to think that they'd be better than Carolina who hasn't won anything. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. My bad. Oh, Sorry, because, listeners. I'm crazy. Because always, always, always Stanley Cup champions just are really, really good the next year. What has Always. Carolina done to make you think they, they're better than Colorado? They're the second place team in the NHL points wise. They're dominating a super strong metropolitan division. They've been doing it for years. And they just have not faltered, even though they've lost their top score in Svechnikov. They continue to go out and compete against the best teams in the East, the New Jersey's, the Rangers, the Bruins, the Leafs. And they're playing fantastic. They're a great team. I'm not saying they're a bad team, but we'll see. We'll see in the playoffs. I think we won't see because they're not going to like the Hurricanes won't make the Stanley Cup finals. But if they were in the West, they would. That's all I'm saying. Okay. so the other big game last night, the Panthers won their third straight. And that was two games. The Penguins lost their fourth straight to the Senators of all teams. The Senators talk about this is like what's happening in the Eastern Conference. And so they flip spots. The Penguins are now on the outside looking in and the Panthers are in a playoff spot for the first time in a little little bit. And so do you think, I mean, I know this is super close and tomorrow night, the the opposite team could win. The Penguins could flip again, but is this the beginning of the Penguins being, are they sliding out now? Or do you think they can battle back? Uh, it, it, uh, it's so I don't close. know. Yeah. It, I, I, they definitely can get back in. Like there, there's no reason they can't. Florida has just been so incredibly good of late. Like they've been really, really good. And the Penguins, for whatever reason, have been really, really bad. I don't know why they've been losing to Montreal. They've been losing to the Rangers. They've been losing to all these teams. And when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins upcoming schedule, it's really tough, Tim. They go out West, a long Western conference road swing. They play the Colorado avalanche who you've anointed as the best team in the West and the best team ever to play hockey. I don't know why you get the Dallas stars. You come back, you got to play the Washington capitals. You get to play the Nashville predators who have been hot and you fill it up with the Finish up with the Bruins, the Devils, and the Wild, who are in a positioning. Oh. If there's one team that can do it, it's the Penguins because they have that veteran leadership. But I just don't know. I don't. I want Pittsburgh to get in. If I'm picking one team that I want to get in in the East, and it's between Florida and Pittsburgh, I gotta take Pittsburgh. But I just don't see it happening. I would ideally, ideally. I'd love the Islanders to drop out just because who wants to watch the Islanders? Can we all universally agree? Unless you're Kevin Connolly, friend of the show. Nobody. I I shouldn't say that. Lots of people want the Islanders, but it's just, I don't know. It'd be fun. No, I, I can say the same thing about Florida. Nobody wants Florida, but it would be fun to see what they can do with the Matthew Kachuk. Him in the playoffs is always a good thing. Him matching up against the Bruins or the Hurricanes would be really fun. I think the Hurricanes will be on upset alert come playoff time because even the two wild card teams in the Eastern Conference are very good. Last year's President's Trophy winners will be a wild card potentially, which just bucks your Colorado Avalanche sting. It's like, oh, the Panthers were... That's going to tick me off the rest of the day. First of all, <laughs> you can't compare the Panthers and the Avalanche. They won the President's Trophy. Yep. Cool. Exactly. They won the Stanley Cup. Yep. 
cool. Oh, it can still you, be if, bad if, next sometimes year. Sometimes I feel like you just find ways to disagree with me just because you're mad at me or you need to like no. dominate the conversation or something. Why would you press record early, Tim, when I'm not ready, Tim? <laughs> you said press record. <laughs> but it is exciting. It's up. an exciting time. This is the best best time of the season. I, I think it's we've already and and here's the great thing. Last year at this point, we knew what the playoff matchups were going to be, right? We right. knew Carolina was going to win the Metro. We knew Boston was going to win the Atlantic. We know the only seed that's locked in right now is Boston in both conferences. Right now, everything's up for grabs. The Rangers could take the top seed in the Metro. The rain, the Devils are right there. Toronto and Tampa could flip positions. We don't know what's going to happen. Actually, we do know one thing. Toronto and Tampa are going to meet in the first round again for the fourth consecutive year. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> That's the one thing we do know. Uh, what are you smiling about, Tim? I just love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Is this more the Bruins' fault? Because why can't the Bruins not win the Atlantic? That's all they do. Yeah, but even if it was switched, I mean, no matter who Toronto plays, Toronto has to win their division in order to do anything, and they haven't done that. Or maybe the one year they did, I think they played the Bruins. And so, man... Yeah. Another thing on the, uh, going back to the Panthers real quick. I thought this was really interesting. Alexander Barkov is now the all time leading point scorer and goal scorer for the Panthers. And I went through their list of like, their top point scorers. And this is, I know they have, haven't been around that long. They've had, haven't had a lot of guys stick around forever, but their second leading point scorer is Huberdeau, who just left, obviously. And then you go down to Ollie Jokinen. So the, it goes from 614, 613, who just passed them. And then down to 419 is Ollie Jokinen. Stefan Weiss, 394, and then 354, Scott Mellenby. Stefan? Stephen, that you say it? Stephen, oh Stefan Weiss. Steve. Scott, yeah. Stefan. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to pick on names, let's, let's not play that game. Trust me. And then, Stephon. and then you go to number six, Aaron Eckler. Not a lot of Stefan. Stefan Yell. I was thinking Stefan Yell. Yeah. Um, number six, Aaron Eckblad. So you've got current players already in their top six. Uh, in in all time, and then Nathan Horton's right behind him, and then the list goes hey, on. Yeah, uh, Nate Horton. What about Pavel Bure? Where's he? Because he's the only guy I think of. My God, it's got to be Bure, top of the list, or Jokinen, because he played there forever. Yeah, Bure's fifth in goals. I don't see him in the top. It only goes to the top ten. The site that I'm on, um, but he didn't play there long enough. I think he's not. Let top. me go back to this Atlantic Division. I wanted to ask you a question before you kind of rudely. Yeah, ask me anything, John. If the Bruins don't win the Stanley Cup this year, are they the biggest disappointment in Boston sports history? Mm, ooh. Uh, I'm going to say recent history because I don't know what happened before. Yeah, I, last 15 30, years. Yeah, uh, probably. The only thing I can think of, I mean, the Patriots lost. No, the Patriots, the giant loss. The first Eli Manning loss in the Super but Bowl. But that was in the, okay, that's in the Super Bowl just see the Bruins get bounced and don't even make the cup. Like, is this, is this basically you have to win or it's a failure of a season for the Bruins? Just how absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know that you get another run with this group. I don't know that Bergeron and Krejci come back. Yeah. I think it's, uh, they're it's, coming it's, back. I don't know why you would say that they I don't came know back they this year. They took a haircut for the team. This team will be together for a while. Well, <sighs> There's a great quote from Martian, by the way. He was asked about um, who he hates in the league. And he was like, I don't hate anyone. I love everyone. All the guys I used to hate are on our team now. <laughs> He's talking about <laughs> Polino and Hathaway and Orlov. <laughs> it's really good. But the, they added those pieces. The way that they're playing, it's all going too well. That's the part that makes me nervous. Like you've said, 
They've been at the top since they hadn't had any major injuries. They had like maybe a, a moment of concern when they lose like three out of four and you're like, uh oh, and then they go and win two in a row and in a dominating fashion. So they're fine. It's just that's the part that makes me nervous is like this. This can't go on, can it? Uh, we'll see. Staying in Boston, you see your big guy is running the marathon, Boston Marathon, Zidane Chara at 41, yeah. 42, 43 years old. With how much do you think he weighs now? Uh, probably 225, 230. That's not bad. Yeah. No, I bet you he's lost some weight. Well, maybe he's 250. Marathons are easy. I did an Ironman. <laughs> you did a half Ironman. Did you, you think he's been training or what? That guy doesn't not train. He trains yeah. so much. It's insane. <laughs> it was so funny watching you like training for that. Like I went for a bike ride around the neighborhood with my girls and four of them are on training <laughs> wheels. And so <laughs> yeah. I know. And I feel like I, I talked about it a few weeks ago when that Chitron was eating all this meat and stuff, the raw liver and hearts and whatever anuses. And I feel like I gave myself a, a really bad, like I worked hard. Like I did for hockey. Like I, I trained hours and hours a day. And so I, I just don't want people to think that I didn't take it serious, but I did. I worked my tail off, but I just didn't buy into the diet thing. And it's not like I ate like garbage. I still ate decent, but I just didn't go over the top with yeah, like he's eating anuses. No one said that you're saying that. Didn't it say that in the article? I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, maybe. No, there's no way it said that. Hot dogs are made with those parts, though. All the parts of the animal. Bill Kessel eats anuses. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) You said it. Damn. Uh, This podcast getting spicy. Yeah, let's move on, huh? Let's. Um, you've been working on a little list for the listeners, huh? So Tim always prods me to talk about my my hockey career he's like i want to hear stories i want to hear this i want to hear that and i just don't like talking about myself too much i like commenting on things and you know giving my opinion but i don't like talking about myself but i'm going to do it today so tim just getting painted with a broad brush he said i want a top five give me your top five this that that and that and i bit and i say okay i'll do one I'll do my top five generous teammates, guys who went out of their way, you know, helping out the young guys, the rookies, maybe paying for dinners, maybe doing certain things. And it's a tough one to do because some teams have a lot of guys. Other teams have not many. My memory's not where it used to be. I started playing in 2002 for Pete's sake, Tim, 20 years ago. Well, plus, so I just I just broke down teams. And plus the thing with generosity is that a lot of it happens, you know, invisibly behind closed doors that you wouldn't see. Ideally, the best type of generosity is the one where you don't get any accolades from it. You just do it out of the goodness of your heart. You go out of your way. You say, I'm going to donate that. I'm going to do that. And no one knows who donated it. That's the best type of generosity, right? Yes, agreed. Sorry, I muted. My dog's drinking water behind me and it sounds loud. Maybe you can't hear, but it's loud to me. People are going to care about a dog drinking water, Tim. But I just want to interrupt you with the sound of that. Okay. And I'll just preface this whole list by saying I am cheap. I didn't pay for the only meal I paid for. There were two. And one of them, I didn't want to because we played the credit card game. We went out for dinner with the Chicago Blackhawks. It was Kane, Taves, Bickle, Hosa, myself, and one other guy. It was a heavy hitter lineup. Like it was the who's who of the Blackhawks. And then Bickle and me tied along because we like going out for those dinners because odds are you're not going to have to pay. I believe we were in Columbus. We went to a steakhouse, played the credit card game. 
lo and behold, I didn't realize the American Express Black card. Have you ever heard of this, Tim? It's it's the the top dog American Express card. Have you heard of these things? I've heard of it. So they have a different weight than a normal credit card. Your your run of the mill Visa, which I'm rolling with, you know, with a limit of like five thousand. So we all throw these name these credit cards into the hat, and it was Dave Boland too. Dirtbag Dave Boland didn't have a black card, but he cools his card down on the ice in his cup, so it feels different. And so the when the waitress goes to pick the cards, she's picking cards, and she goes, "Oh, you know, you just." You pick cards out and those ones don't pay. And the last one left in the hat pays. All the American Express black cards get picked out. There goes Hosa. There goes Taves. There goes Kane. And by the way, do you know the parameters that you have to meet to get this card, Tim? The things you have to do to get this American Express black card? Is it like minimum spending? Yeah. Every month? Yeah, how much? I think it's like 500000 a year you have to put on this card. Wow. To get a black card. Wow. Isn't, that, isn't that crazy? Wow. Wow. What's that from? Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of money. So anyways, they, their cards get picked out. I start sweating profusely. There's three of us left. Maybe four. I don't know how many guys were there, but it was a, it was a big dinner. Bolins get picked out because he was icing his card down. So she's like, this one's cold. I'm like, son of a B word, Bolin. Like so, so chancy. It gets down to me and Bickle, and I think a rookie was there, maybe Ben Smith. I can't remember. And obviously, I get picked out last. Everybody starts laughing. I am ticked because before the meal, I even said, I'll just pay for mine and leave. Because usually when I do the credit card game, I don't like when there's a lot of guys because it just makes me nervous because the bill's too high. I'll play with the table of four. I know I can handle it. A table of five. I get it. I'm making decent money. You know, I think I was making six, seven hundred grand, which is a lot of money. You know, I can handle a one thousand dollar bill. It's when you get to the seven, eight, nine. I'm like, I can't do it, you guys. You know what I mean? And like, I could see what everybody was ordering. It was there was not the day before a game. We were throwing wine around. Guys were drinking beers. I was having steak and salad and appetizer and dessert. Hockey guys eat a lot. What do you guys say, Tim? No, I remember. I was just going to dinner with those guys in uh, in Detroit. They each got like an app and two entrees, Vlasic and Marla, like a yeah. lot of food. And I was like, it's... I was too nervous to order anything. I was like, I'm just going to get a side. <laughs> and I paid for that dinner. I was yeah. so annoyed even at that dinner yeah, because uh, I was like, I'm going to come down to Detroit. I'll be there. You guys, I'll take you over for dinner. Let's let's do an episode in your room. And they really went for it. I'm just like, you guys make $10 million each a year. So at, at this Blackhawks dinner, you're seeing the cards. Are, do, the, do the players know how cheap you are and how much? Oh, you yeah. Is? Are they so laughing at you? It. They're yeah. lo- they're loving it. And that's when I think the fix is in because I'm like, what is going on? This doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? You guys. And I keep getting angrier and I'm sweating and I'm getting nervous. Lo and behold, the last card they pick out is Brian Bickle. My card's left in the hat. I pick up the tab and it was a few thousand dollars and I was upset. And I, this is me being crazy petty. I'm like, I'll pay for it. You guys are picking up the tip. And I, <laughs> I'm leaving. So I even, even cheapo me wouldn't pay for the tip. And I'm like, screw this. And Taser, just Johnny, he comes over. He's like, do you want me to pay for the bill? And I'm just like, Ugh. and then I felt like a massive jerk. I'm like, no, it's fine. That I, I'm fine, you know. I'm here's the jerk that I am. 
I play a game and I make everybody feel bad that I lost. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, why am I even there? Because I'm, I'm like, I didn't even want to play. And so I just like pay the bill, left, probably took a cab home or walked back to the rest or the hotel on my own. But it was fine. That was the one instance of me. So I just wanted to put that in there to say I am cheap. So uh, these guys are all better than me. So that's why uh, we're doing this list. The most generous players, because it is nice. It is appreciated. We're going to start in Minnesota. And I, and I just, I want to list out our top earners and those guys were very generous, but I'll I'll point out some guys who were just, they went above and beyond. Maybe guys you don't really would understand, would think would be very, very nice. So in Minnesota, my first year, we had Miku Koivu, we had Andrew Burnett, we had Martin Havlat, we had Brent Burns. He was just starting out there. I don't know if he was making the big bucks. A guy who was really generous, Tim. Let me know if you remember this name, Chuck Kobasu. He was a Bruin. Of course I remember him. That guy was so great. He would be go out of his way. He was really nice to the staff. He would do really great things for the players. He would take the rookies under their wings, take them out for lunch or dinner, or whatever. Very, very good. Another guy who really took me under his wing, Owen Nolan. Gets a bad rap because he's grumpy, cowboy. Took me under his wing. The one thing I will say, he's like, let's go out for lunch, Scotty. Let's go. Didn't pay for my lunch. Very strange. <laughs> so he's very thrifty, Owen Nolan. But I think on that team, the guy who really stood out was Nicholas Backstrom. The thing with Nicholas Backstrom, the goalie, the goalie, yes. he was very good with the staff. He treated them like gold because he he worked them hard. He was very particular with his equipment. And he was always fiddling and changing stuff. But he treated the tra- treated the training staff, the equipment staff, everybody like gold. And so that that was neat. That's Minnesota was where I got my nickname, Jimmy Johns, because <laughs> what? this has never come up before. I yeah, they, because it's embarrassing. The team. <laughs> In Minnesota, for some reason, they they made us pay for lunches. And so what we did was a player every day would pick up a lunch for the team when we were there. Because we were on the road for half the time when we were home. We would have to pick up lunches. Cheap, cheap, cheap Minnesota. Craig Leopold, shame on you. So the players would get Chinese or Italian or like, so like great stuff every day. It would come in and I'm like gosh, like this is expensive. You got to pay for lunch for everybody, like the staff, the players, everybody. It's 40 guys. We eat a lot. I'm like, how can I just be smart about this? So I would get Jimmy John's. I would order like a bunch of subs and some chips and they would bring them in. And the guys hated it because it was so cheap, but it was delicious. So that's where I got my name, Jimmy John. So who called you that? Because we've talked about nicknames a lot on this and you've never brought that up. It's always big, big John. Yeah, well, that was my earlier one. They called me Jimmy Johns and they called me you because the coach didn't know my name. So he just would say, you, come here, you, over here, you, go there. So, but yeah, that was Minnesota. That was more the the owner being cheap than me. It was just a combination of the two. But those, and then, you know who else was cheap? Eric Belanger. Cheapo. Yeah, the French guy. All right, the Chicago Blackhawks. Obviously, the, the heavy hitters, everybody knows, Taze, Kane, Sharposa, Seabrook, Keith, Campbell, they were all making a gazillion dollars, and they were all very generous. They would have us over for dinners. They would take us out for dinners on the road. You would not have to reach for your wallet at all, except for the odd credit card game when it was just fun. Every other dinner I would go to, whether I, I would go with Haas or Kane, maybe not Sharpie too much, but like Taser, Haas, Seabrook, Keith, those guys would pay for Every single dinner, lunch, cab ride, everything. It was fantastic. We'd go to Vegas. We'd get bottle service. We'd go here and there. Everything would be picked up. 
I remember we went to Vegas twice with these guys and you go to the club, you do whatever the tab would come. I would be long gone because I, I would skip out, but you'd, you, before I'd leave, I'd be like, Hey, you know, I I'd offer them like, here's a couple hundred bucks. You know, I might've had a few drinks. You want, I want some help. And they're like, no, no, no. Taser would 15,000 ching. I got it. You know what I mean? One of those guys would always pick up the tap and it was so incredibly expensive, Tim. It's crazy. Those guys were great. But the guy who I thought, what was the cheapest was Thomas Kopetsky. That guy was just, and just not a nice person. He made fun of me relentlessly. My breath. He would always say, I didn't brush my teeth. I'm like, Thomas, you're disgusting. For you to say I have bad breath is an insult to everybody because you're the grossest human I know. But that's beside the point. Nice, nice guy. We got along well, but he would just relentlessly chirp me. Relentless. So, anyways, the guy who I really thought stood out was Fernando Pisani. Remember that guy? Remember that name? Yep. The incredible Stanley Cup run with the Edmonton Oilers in uh, 2006. Awesome guy. Gluten allergy. Very strange. On the early gluten allergy train, before it became a thing, before everybody got popular with it, now everybody has a gluten allergy, he was there. So he couldn't drink any beer. He had to be very particular with where he ate. Lots of meat. Loved his wine. Fernando would take you out. He's like, I got it. He'd order a beautiful bottle of wine. And he wasn't making big money by then, Tim. He was, you know, on the back nine of his career. Great guy. One of the unsung people in hockey who's just a stud. I spent a lot of time when I was in Chicago, obviously with Brian Bickle, but uh, Fernando and Marty Turco, us three really got along well. It was, it was a, it was a nice, nice group there. All right, moving on Buffalo Sabres by far the most generous player I've ever played with Thomas Svanek paid for everything. We'd go out team parties, team dinners, team, everything. Thomas Svanek was the guy who would pick up the tab without, without hesitation. And he would do it in a way Remember I talked about at the top of this, uh, this little bit generosity without knowing who paid that's van. He would slip the card to the waiter, the waitress or whoever, wherever we were, you wouldn't even know who paid it. Just, you do you would ask, but it's taken care of. Don't worry about it. I'm like, you do not have to tell me twice. I'm leaving. This is fantastic, but it's Thomas Vanek. He was fantastic. Jason Palmanville, another one. He was really good at it, but uh, there was other guys like Steve Ott. Kind of Christian Erhoff, the really Leno for as much as he was robbing the Buffalo Sabres. Cheap, 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 that guy. But Thomas Vanek and Jason Pomodoro were just class act guys. Like just guys you'd want to introduce your daughter to. You know what I mean? I don't, but I can imagine. Very rare in the NHL circle. You'd want to be like, you know what? I like you. All right, moving on. The Sharks. Again, much like the Hawks. A lot of t- well, not not like the Hawks because you you saw the Patty Marlowe, Mark Edward Vlasic situation. You saw that. You experienced it. Those two guys had no business taking a dinner from me. They didn't, especially like four years after you retired. Too. I offered it. I get it. They were doing me a favor for an interview, but at least go easy on the ordering. They were like dummying. They had a game the next day, John. They were it was meal prep. Yes. And and then that's the thing with that team. Bernsey's the same way. So those three guys are very frugal. The other three guys, Pavs, Jumbo, and Logan Couture, very generous, very forthcoming with their gifts. But I say Jumbo takes a cake. One story, just a, just a short one. After the year, I talk about Vegas a lot. I don't know why. After the year in San Jose, it was a bad year. Stanley Cup 
in aspirations. You know, they lost to LA the year before, got swept four straight. This was the year. We sucked. The turmoil at the start of the year, Jumbo getting the seat taken away, giving it to Pavs, Doug Wilson, the McLennan, the coach, everybody was fighting. It was awful. We didn't make the playoffs. Every year they go to Vegas to blow it out. I'm like, I'll go. That sounds good. You know, it's a short flight. You can get a flight, no problem, from San Jose to Vegas. It costs like 80 bucks. I'm like, that's what I'll do. Oh, but we got a private jet. Oh, that sounds great. Count me in. I'm on the private jet. Oh, that'll be like $3,000 that you have to. I'm like, no, I'm not paying that. Jumbo pulls me aside. He's like, I got you. Come on the plane. Love hanging out with you. I'll pick up your tab. Again, I feel like a jerk because I'm just like freeloading John Scott. Just, But I, you know, I was being honest with him. Like, I'm not spending 3K, Jumbo. I think it might even been more. Like, it was a lot. Because the plane, the way that private jet worked, because it was such a short flight, we had it on call, I think, the whole time we were there, where we can leave whenever we wanted. We could take it whenever we wanted. We just rented it for the the weekend. And so it it was more than usual. And we booked it last minute. So anyways, he paid for my flight. He paid for my hotel. He paid for my whole Vegas trip. It was beautiful. He paid for all the dinners. The guy just picked up every single bill when we were in Vegas. It was fantastic. And he just didn't bat an eye. And he did that throughout the year. We'd show up in in New York. We'd be on the bus. He'd be like, yell back to all the players. Be here at this time if you want to go. I'm picking up the tab. We're going. I'm like, okay. You know, and that's just the type of guy he was. He just loved everybody having fun. He loved people around him at all times. He, I don't know if it was an insecure thing where he just didn't want to be alone, but he just always loved being around people. You, you know, people like that. I do. They just don't have the money like that to uh, do whatever they want, you know? Yeah. And it was refreshing because he was always so happy. We would play like games on our phones and he'd always have people in his room and he would always just, so he was the most generous guy that I ever played with him. Him and Thomas Vanek were very good. Then in Arizona, I was only there for just a, you know, cup of tea, but I don't know. It wasn't like Shane Doan. Everybody says he's a great guy. He was, he just wasn't on the same level as the other guys. He was just a very stoic, normal guy. And there's a thing with this whole generosity. It's, it's not expected. So when a guy doesn't do it, they're not cheap. I'm just obviously exaggerating things. So Shane Doan is a fantastic human. Just because he didn't take me out for dinner all the time doesn't make him bad. But I'm just pointing out how other players were just very generous. Well, Bill Bill Gates has a great quote about, he's like, I, I get recognized as the most generous philanthropist of all time based on like the amount of money donated. But it's like, it's not money I need. Like the someone who's more generous who lives paycheck to paycheck, but still donates like a hundred bucks every month to a, a church or whatever. Like that's way more generous than me. So there's a relative. There's a lot of parables in the Bible about that. The woman who donates her last nickel is more generous than anybody else. But all right. I wanted to talk about, you, you mentioned before the show when we were talking, like talk about trainer tips and team gifts and team dinners and stuff like that. I want to talk about something that maybe people don't know. So it's trainer tips, the way this works. Every team does it differently. Some teams pool their tips and try to give them a flat, like 15,000 each trainer. Other teams do it where every player is on their own. You can just give whatever they want. I like the latter. I like giving whatever you want because I've been in situations where, and you do it at Christmas and you do it at the end of the year. I've been in situations where I either just get to a team, whether it's the Rangers, whether it's the Canadians or whoever, and you just either get called up or traded to this team. And then you have to be, you got to throw money in the kitty. 
So I got traded to the Rangers and it was like, give us five grand. I'm like, I don't even know these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I just got here. So that I didn't like. And then it gives me the ability to tip more to guys who I use more because I was a very low maintenance guy. I was never in the athletic room. I was never finicky with my equipment, but I, I hung out with these guys. You know what I mean? So a guy in the athletic room, I wouldn't give as much money to a guy in the equipment room who I just piled around with a lot. So that's just how it worked. And they get tons of money, Tim. You'd be surprised some of the tips that these guys get at the end of the year. Like I'm talking, they're raking in 50, 60 grand at the end of the year, just from tips from the players. Because if you use a guy all year and you're on the table, like a Patrick Kane who's getting worked up and worked on all the time, he's giving these guys like $10,000 at the end of the year. Like it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool number. It's, it's a, it's a really nice way to keep these guys happy because they do a ton of work. They're the unsung heroes of the NHL. My, my range would be 500 to 750, I think was the most for a trainer, but that was rare. Usually I was around the 250 mark for every guy because I didn't use them very often. And I think it does get based on how much you're making kind of, I know it's not, ideal because we're all making a ton of money but yeah a guy who's making 10 million usually gives more than a guy who's making 1 million but yeah were you, so we do that twice a year were you always giving cash or do you ever go out and buy gifts for them never did a gifts but we did like again we did the pool yeah where we're going to get a bunch of money and we're going to buy them rolexes I'm like, ah, why why does my trainer need a nicer watch than me i don't know but we <laughs> did it and you know and so that we did that i want to say in I think we did that in Minnesota. It was like, let's pool up or it's, it's whoever's 1000th game as a trainer. We got to get him something great. So let's buy him like a motorcycle. Like why? Like I I've been here for 50 games and I got to pay for a motorcycle for this guy. I'm going to be gone next year. So those are the little things. It's, it's a little frustrating when you're cheapo like me, but it's, it's nice. Everybody appreciates it. So that's it. That's all I got Tim. Any questions? No, that was a great list. That was a great list. Some of the, I mean, you expected those names. I love the Chuck Kobasu call out. That's a good one too. Like the the lower tier, less making less money, still very generous, and more than just with money too. Like with their time and with the way that they treat the staff and all that with the rookies. Yeah, good stories. I'm sure people love this right. stuff. One more quick hit. What, did you see the NHL has a new sponsor for their jerseys? No more Adidas. Now it's Fanatics. They just signed a ten year deal. It's a long time. 10 years to be the preeminent Jersey sponsor of the NHL. And the big deal with this, they get their logo on the back of the jerseys. That's never happened before. Adidas always had their logo on the inside. Reebok had them on the inside. The fanatics are going to put their logo on the outside of the Jersey on the back. So every time you see a player's name right above it, fanatics, the little F with the flag. That's been a good deal. I've been reading about this all morning on Twitter and I don't really feel strongly about it. I've never been like a Jersey guy. I don't really notice the difference. Like some people can rec- instantly recognize like without seeing the logo, just being like, Oh, that was Nike. There's the Adidas, there's Reebok. Like I'm just not that way, but, but people feel very strongly about this. And I'm seeing a lot of complaints about the quality of, of the jerseys, people that have ordered it before, the quality of the service where they're like waiting for months. I've seen a bunch of tweets about people that ordered from the all-star game from the winter classic that still haven't gotten it from like four months ago. And so everyone's just, it's its not a good look. Everyone's annoyed with it and they don't want to buy a jersey anymore. And the, the bigger question is, what does this say about the NHL that they can't get Reebok and Adidas to sign a deal and they have to go for Fanatics? 
I don't know. I don't know anything about fanatics. All I've heard is they have garbage jerseys and people are upset that their quality is just terrible. But it does say this. The NHL is waning in popularity and the big advertisers are seeing it. If you're the NHL, you want to be tied to Reebok, Nike and Adidas. Those are the big three. That's who you want to be in bed with. But you sign a deal with the fanatics for 10 years. This is what I was going to get to with that TV deal. But I talked about the top of the show. The NHL did this with some TV deal 15 years ago when ESPN didn't want to be their partner anymore. And so they went out and they signed a deal with some tier two company and it ended up ruining the game because you couldn't get it out there. I'm not saying this will ruin anything, but it just is indicative of where the NHL is at in their popularity. They're not the well, fourth they- best anymore, Tim. Like we're below soccer, you know, like the NHL is falling in popularity in my eyes. I feel like it's less about popularity and more about the financial investment. Like because if, if Reebok and Adidas were making money and it was a good deal for them, they wouldn't have walked away, right? Yeah, so it's all about bang for your buck. We do it with advertisers here. It's like advertisers want to see an ROI. And obviously, Adidas isn't getting any money. No one's buying the jerseys. So why would we sign? So now the fanatics are going to come out. They probably make the jerseys for less. They can sell them for more because of the premier sponsor, game-worn jerseys, game quality. We'll see. Hopefully, everybody's just, you know, it's all smoke and no fire, and the jerseys are the same quality. But from what I hear, it's a bad quality. It's not good. So only time will tell. But good for Gary signing a big, big deal with the Fanatics. He's killing it. Absolutely killing it out there. Good for you, Gary. Way to negotiate. Ten years. How dumb is that? You know, Fanatics was like 10 years. Gary was like three. The Fanatics was like 10 or walking. Who's next? Like, who else is to her? Lululemon? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Right? I don't know either, but it's just, yeah. It's it's not a good thing. For as much spin as he's going to try to put on it, this is not a good thing. Now I'm being pessimistic. I can't I can't do it. It is a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a really good thing. I don't want that guy to get mad at me again on Twitter. Should we end the episode on like a high note? Do you have any jokes, any riddles you've heard lately? A pirate walks into a bar. <laughs> we did this one already. And he's yeah, got a steering wheel tucked into his pants. And the bartender goes, what's that for? And he goes, "Ah, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> you love the pirate jokes, huh? I do. Love it. I do. All right, everybody. On that note, we'll talk to you on Friday. We've got a nice interview lined up with uh, Kevin Bieksa, face of hockey in Canada. Tim's not going to be there because he's just so busy. So it'll just be a, a duo, Kevin and I. Which will be fine. You won't even notice, really. Right, Tim? I don't talk as much during the interviews anyway. Unless unless you're bored, then I have to. Which is yeah. happening more than, yeah. Have more. fun. It'll be a good interview. Thank you. He's a cool guy. He is. He's a very cool guy. Cool haircut. All right. I will talk to everybody on Friday. I'll see ya. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 